0: understanding of how God is. And that's how we ought to live as Christians. We ought to compare our lifestyle to the way God wants us to live, not the way our neighbors or others that may be in our same profession or career live their lives, the way that we see other people live their lives. We should be living our life according to the blueprint of how God is. Amen. So that's what we're talking about today in Psalm 101. We're talking about Christian living so just to give us, you know, as I said, just a background of Psalm 101. This is a Psalm that's written by David, who um, basically know that he, God has appointed him to be king, and he saw the way that Saul ruled, and he wanted to make a declaration that he was going to do things differently, okay? So we as Christians should um, live our life as God lived his. We should model our life after Christ okay so let's look at Psalm 101 and it reads I will sing of your love and justice to you Lord I will sing praise I will be careful to lead a blameless life when will you come to me I will conduct the affairs of my house with a blameless heart I will not look with approval on anything that is vile I hate what faithless people do I will have no part in it. The perverse of heart shall be far from me. I will have nothing to do with what is evil. Whoever slanders their neighbor in secret, I will put to silence. Whoever has haughty eyes and a proud heart, I will not tolerate. My eyes will be on the faithful in the land that they may dwell with me. The one whose walk is blameless will minister to me. No one who practices deceit will dwell in my house. No one who speaks falsely will stand in my presence. Every morning I will put to silence all the wicked in the land. I will cut off every evildoer from the city of the Lord. Now, what is our message here in this? This is how we ought to live as Christians. It's one thing to go to a church Every Sunday, to even be active in your church. But how you live Monday through Saturday matters. See, our God is not a God that only shows up on Sunday and then sleeps for the rest of the week. Our God is a God that's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. So, as believers, we ought to live like Christians. In our everyday life, how we manage our affairs, how we manage our household, how we treat one another, we need to live as Christians. So one of the first things that David said, he said that he loves how God is the God of love and justice. So a Christian life should be filled with love and justice love, and justice. See, here the psalmist focused his praise on God's loyal love and justice. God is faithful and true. He's faithful and time has proven God's faithfulness. Situations and problems that we face every day prove God's faithfulness. They prove his love towards us. See, these qualities that um, David pointed out were the foundation of his rule. They were the foundation of the way that he governs. And it should be the foundation of the way that we live our lives. We ought to live our lives being true to love, God's love, as well as true to justice. So what does that mean? Love, we know, is mercy it's grace, it's forgiveness, it's compassion towards one another. We can go to church every Sunday. We can even be active in the church. We can lead the church even. But if we're not walking in love in our everyday life, then we're not living a Christian life. Oh, we say we are because we practice Christianity But in order to live a Christian life and Christian lifestyle, we have to walk in love. Love is what leads God to care for us. It's the love of God, the compassion of God, the heart of God that led him to give his only son. To die for us on the cross. So we know love gives love protects, love forgives. You can't convince me that you are a Christian and you're harboring unforgiveness in your heart towards your brother or sister. You know, usually when you're walking in unforgiveness, you know what the real problem is? The real problem is that you know on the inside there's something that you have done that you shouldn't have. That created the problem and there's a part of you that's too stubborn to admit it so what your mind does is it convinces you that it's the other person but not you and that's why you can't let it go because it's a fight between your pride and your ego see pride doesn't want to let go of your own mistakes And admit you might have been the problem. That's where the unforgiveness comes in at. But love is the Christian lifestyle. It is forgiveness. It is compassion. You can't convince me, no matter how well you sing in the choir, no matter how well you lead worship team, no matter how well you pray, no matter how well you preach, if you don't have compassion in your heart, for someone else that's made in the image of God, you can't be living a Christian lifestyle. Oh, you can fool yourself and think you are. But the reality is how you live your life. Will an unbeliever be able to look at the way you live your life and see Jesus? Or will they see someone that acts just like them? We're talking about Psalm 101 and living a Christian lifestyle. The life of a Christian. Okay. So love is mercy, is grace, is compassion, forgiveness, is kindness towards others. It's what leads God to care for us. It's his love and his compassion towards us that causes him to care for us. And the psalmist also talked about God's justice. Now, what is justice? Truth, fairness, discipline. And it's how God cares for us. You can't convince me that you are living a Christian lifestyle and you're doing what is wrong towards others. Or you rejoice in seeing others suffer. You have no compassion in your heart towards other people. Come on, this Saturday, we're not go- this Sunday, we're not gonna jump around this Sunday. What we're gonna do is talk about practical, everyday Christian living. So we can have a real conversation of what Christ looks like in the earth. You can't tell me that is Christ. For you to rejoice when someone you don't like is hurting. I received a phone call. I received an email, I'm sorry, last week that an individual has um, tested positive for COVID. Possibly tested positive for COVID. And this same individual three months ago, three months ago, made light of a tragedy that we had faced in this family. Our family lost one of my brothers-in-law, my youngest brother-in-law, a few months ago. And if you've been around this ministry for a while, you're aware of that. You also, if you've been around this ministry for quite a while, you know that at one point my mom was very sick. She was in a coma. Thank God for grace she made it through it. That's the mercy and grace of God. And she's healthy today, thank God for grace. But she was in a coma several months ago. And while she was in a coma, we received word that they um, took her temperature and she had a a high temperature. So they told all of us to quarantine because all of us had gone to visit her. And when I got that news, I was so upset. I was so upset because not only my mom was in a coma and potentially she had COVID, and then everyone that went to see her, All of my siblings, myself, pastor, my nephews, all of us had to be quarantined. And then not only us, but everybody that we had come in contact with, which included my in-laws. We all had to be quarantined. But thank God for grace. The test came back negative. But for a period of time there, that was very, very distressing. And this same individual that just emailed me last week made light of it and tried to use both those situations against me. I prayed on it. Several months later, which is last week, that same individual sent me an email. He's going through the same thing what am I saying to you here? Could I rejoice at that? No. The heart of compassion in me, knowing what a scare of COVID-19 did to us, prompted me to pray for this individual. Now we're talking about real life, everyday situations, how we live our lives, not on Sunday. Because God is not a Sunday God. We have to live a Christian lifestyle every single day of the week. We have to govern ourselves according to the scriptures. And the pattern, the example that we have is how God is towards us. So my heart of compassion immediately went to him and I prayed for him. I pray for his family, and I pray for everybody that I know of that he's been in contact with. That's how we have to live our Christian lifestyle. It's not what we do on Sunday. Oh, we can get up and we can preach, we can shout, we can run around, but how are we governing? How are we stewarding? How are we managing our lifestyle? We have to do it with love and with justice. The scripture in Psalm 89, verse 14, it says righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. Love and faithfulness go before you. The psalmist again, this psalmist is talking about God. We are to model how we live our life after God. In order to live a Christian lifestyle, we've got to live it after God's way. Because anything else is what we say having a form of godliness but denying the existence thereof. How is that so? Because if your lifestyle does not model Christ, then what good is it for you to sing 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 and shout on Sunday? What good is it for you to jump up or down and do all these theatrics that we do on Sunday If we're not living a Christian life, our victory is in the word and doing what the Bible says for us to do. So we have to have a desire or make an effort to follow God's example in our stewardship. What's our stewardship? It's our management of the people, the places, and the things that God entrusted to us. So take an inventory of the people, the places, and the things God is giving you. Just put that in your mind for a second. And then ask yourself, you don't have to say it out loud. Ask yourself, am I modeling God's way? Is my stewardship after God's heart? Am I walking in love and justice? See justice is also important. So many times we as Christians we get caught up on well God will forgive me. God will give me grace. I can just do whatever I want to do. That's not God. He's a God of justice as well as a God of love. That means what's fair and what is right. A true test of a Christian. A true test. It's how you treat the people you don't like. I told y'all today we're not going to do jumping and shouting. We're going to talk about everyday practical Christian living. The stuff that doesn't get talked about. How do you treat the people you don't like? Are you walking in love towards them? Do you treat them right? Now, some of you got lost already. You got lost when I was talking about love and praying for those who may have hurt you. But now, how do you treat the people that you don't like? How do you treat them? Do you rejoice if bad things happen to them? Do you try to set them up and get them in trouble? Some of you got stuck right there. You know, one of the things that happens every single day, when people do not like someone else, one of the key things that they do is they love to try to set them up, sabotage, get them in in some kind of trouble. Thank you. They love to try to get them in some form of trouble. And somehow they think... Read it. Read it. Somehow they think that that's God's way. They think God doesn't see it. They think if they play some sort of games... Or do things that aren't right that God won't see it and that God won't know about it. Listen, I told you at the beginning, God is not asleep on Sundays. He's not asleep on Monday. He's not asleep on Tuesday. He's not asleep during the week. It's the same God. The very same God. That you're singing and jumping and shouting about on Sunday. He's alive and well Monday through Saturday as well. So how you treat the people that you don't like matters to God. It determines whether or not you're living a Christian lifestyle. So do what is right in the eyes of God. Let's look at 2 Kings chapter 22, verse 2. It says, he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. This is talking about Hosea. And followed completely the ways of his father David, not turning aside to the left, to the right or to the left. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord and followed completely the ways of his father David, not turning aside to the right or to the left. So a Christian life is a life filled with love and justice. Our second point today is that a Christian life is a blameless life. You must have a healthy measure of your own personal integrity level in order to lead a blameless life. See, integrity is personal. You can dress up like others in a group and you all may have a singing group. You all may be a sorority or a fraternity. You may have common codes of ethics, you may have common rules that you follow and that you adhere to in order to be a part of that group. However, integrity is personal because your personal integrity is who you are as a person. So here the writer David is promising that he is going to live a life blamelessly before God. He was saying that he will live in a way that would make it possible for God to bless him and to bless his kingdom. Some of you missed that. To make it possible for God to bless him and bless his kingdom. Why? Because God wants to bless us. He has desired to bless us. He has blessings set aside specifically for each and every one of us. But guess what? How we live our lives can alter the degree of our blessing. How we live our life can alter the degree of our blessings. It can determine whether our blessings are delayed or denied. Why? Because if we don't live a life of love, justice, a blameless life, that will take us down a road where we will invalidate those blessings that God has set aside for us. That will invalidate it. So some of you are running around, well, I go to church every Sunday. I pay my tithes. I serve. Why am I missing out on certain blessings that I've been asking God for? Because your character has nullified your blessings. I told you I'm not going to make you shout today. I'm going to give you something that will cause you to prosper. It won't cause you to run around the room. It will cause you to prosper. Psalm 101, Christian lifestyle, living a Christian lifestyle. Remember, God is not asleep Monday through Saturday. He's not a Sunday God. He's a 24-7 God. And so in order to live a life blamelessly before God, we've got to do what is right in the eyes of God. Look at the lifestyle that you're living. Just close your eyes and do your own personal integrity inventory check. You don't have to say it out loud. You don't need someone else to tell you. If you are a believer in Christ, and this message is for the believers, if you are a believer in Christ, you know when you've done something right or wrong. You know whether you have treated situations as you should. It should not take an outside person to tell you that you're wrong. Your own personal level of integrity should correct you. And if it doesn't, you need to check your Holy Ghost meter. You need to do an inventory. Let's look at 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 7. This is for the believers. And remember, David was about to walk into his kingdom. He was about to be king. And so these are for the, this is for the believers that you know God's got a calling on your life. I hear time and time again, Pastor Frida, God called me to this, that, and the other, and I'm ready to walk in my ministry. I'm ready to serve. I'm ready to go to the next level. You know what my response is? What's your lifestyle like? How do you handle conflict? Do you get along with people? Do you have unforgiveness in your life? I don't care anything about your gift. You can come to the Bible college all you want to. That's fine. You can serve on a dream team. That's beautiful. That's wonderful. You can even tithe, be the biggest tither in the church. That's great. What is your lifestyle like? What does Monday through Saturday look like for you? How do you deal with conflict? How do you deal with people? Are you stealing on your job? Do you cheat if you get an opportunity to on your taxes? Do you treat people right? are you walking in unforgiveness? If you see your enemy fall down and and, or hear something bad about your enemy, do you rejoice? Are you walking around slandering and gossiping and lying and backbiting? Are you recruiting people to dislike the person that you don't like? Are you trying to sabotage others? That's what I'm interested in. I don't care nothing about your gift. Because the gift that God gave you, guess what? It's not about you anyways. It's to bring him glory. So let's look at 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 7. It says, here is a trustworthy saying. Whoever aspires to be an overseer desires a noble task. Now the overseer is to be above reproach, faithful to his wife, temperate, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not given to drunkenness, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own family well and see that his children obey him, and he must do so in a manner worthy of full respect. If anyone does not know how to manage his own family, how can he take care of God's church? He must not be a recent convert, or he may be conceited, become conceited, and fall under the same judgment as the devil. He must also have a good reputation with outsiders so that he will not fall into disgrace and into the devil's trap. See, verse 2 of Psalm 101 says, I will be careful to lead a blameless life. A blameless life. So a Christian life is a blameless life. See, God is concerned about how we live. He's concerned about what we do, not just what we say. He's concerned about how we conduct our affairs. How we conduct our affairs is the way you do things, you handle issues, your stewardship over everything God has blessed you with, how you treat situations and p- people. Blameless means innocent of wrongdoing. And the wrongdoing in this case is in the eyes of the Lord, not our own eyes. To lead a blameless life is to do what is right before God. So if you know in your heart you want to live a life that makes it possible for God to bless you, then start taking an inventory of how you manage situations, how you manage people. Your integrity begins right here at home in your own heart. Your integrity is personal. What you do as an individual is personal. It says, I will conduct the affairs of my house with a blameless heart. The affairs of your house simply mean the matters you face in your life. Not just your physical house, that's part of it, but just the matters that you face in your life. The people, the places, and things that you are charged to govern, your stewardship. A blameless heart is a heart that devises to do no evil, but to do the things without deceit or wrongfully. A blameless heart is a heart that devises to do no evil, but to do things without deceit or wrongfully. So compromising your own personal integrity for your fleshly desires. Yes, I did go there. I did. It's Sunday, I know. You want to jump and shout. You want to sing. You want to run around the room. You want to do a dance. But what I'm giving you today is practical Christian living. Compromising your personal integrity for fleshly desires. You cannot convince me that you're leading a Christian lifestyle. And you're okay with compromising your personal integrity for fleshly desires. Pastor Frieda, what are you talking about today? Okay, glad you asked me. Cheating. Lying. Stealing when you think no one is looking. God sees it. Doing what you know is wrong. Even though in your heart the Holy Spirit is tugging at you. Saying you need to go make that right. You know you shouldn't have said that. You know you shouldn't have done that. Slander. Just assassinating each other's character. Through the church. Through the community and anywhere else you can. To anybody that will hear. That will listen. Never attempting to make it right. Continuing in wrong behavior with a hardened heart. Total disregard for the impact or the effect on other people. Thinking you have attained a certain level in life or a certain platform where little people don't matter. People that are not in your income tax bracket, don't matter. That you're better than others. I can go on and on and on. Do a personal inventory. Right now, close your eyes and just take a personal inventory. Some of us need to start repenting. You don't have to say it out loud to us, to one another here, but some of you in your own heart, You need to just start asking God to forgive you. Because remember, I told you, God's not asleep Monday through Saturday and only wakes up on Sunday. We have a 24-7 God. And Psalm 101 is talking about Christian living, how we ought to live our lives. Now look up at me. We're not just responsible for how we live our lives. Guess what? We're responsible for what we allow around us. Amen? So a Christian life does not look with approval on anything that is vile. You can't convince me that you're living a Christian lifestyle when you approve of what you know is wrong. If you're willing to allow those that you have the charge over to do what is wrong, then my brother, my sister, you're just as good as doing it yourself. Now, I'm sure some of you are not going to like this message. I'm sure some of you got lost when I talked about personal integrity. And I'm sure you want to turn this off. You want to get them and run out of the church with what I'm about to say. But guess what? This is the meat of the word. And that's what we need in order to grow up as Christians. Amen? See, sometimes we get so used to church games. But when it comes down to the meat of the word, when it comes down to those hearty vegetables that that we need to put on our plate and we need to spiritually eat, we don't want to do that. Why? Because it doesn't feel good to us. It causes us to grow up nice and strong. I remember when I was a kid, my dad used to sit us at the table. I have very few memories of my father. If you all been around this ministry for a while, you've learned some of my testimony. I have very few memories of my father. Some of the memories I have of him are pretty tragic and sad. Some of the memories that I have of him are normal, what a normal family would go through. But some of them are pretty tragic and sad. But one of the memories I do have of my father was him putting me and my sisters at the table for dinner. He turned that plate around. You act like you don't want to eat those vegetables if you want to. Your mouth is getting stuffed with vegetables before you can touch your meat or you can touch a dessert. Why? In his own way, in his own imperfect way, he understood that you needed those vegetables in order to grow up nice and strong. Now, his methods may not have been the best. But he understood that you needed those vegetables to grow up nice and strong. What am I saying to you? Spiritually speaking, you need practical Christian living in order to grow up spiritually. In order for us to receive those blessings that God has set aside for us. See, God has already purposed to bless us. We invalidate ourselves for the blessing with our lifestyle. So no more jumping up in the prayer line saying, why haven't I got my blessing? What I want you to do is do an inventory check. Check your personal integrity level. Check your lifestyle. Check yourself. What does does Tamar Braxton say sometimes? (laughs) Get your life. Get your life. What are you doing? Monday through Saturday, we know you're in church on Sunday. You're wearing out your Louboutins and yeah, and uh, whatever kind of shoes the men wear. <laughs> you're running around the church. You're jumping up and down, being seen. But Monday through Saturday, you're living like hell. You don't manage what God has given you stewardship over in a Christian way. Amen. So a Christian life does not look with approval on anything that is vile. See, what David was talking about in Psalm 101, he's saying, I will not look with approval. I will not support. I will not say it's okay. I will not look the other way when I see wrong happening in my kingdom. So what does that say to us today? In the areas that God has caused me to manage, in the areas of my life, the people that, allow, that I allow in my camp, in my team, I'm checking the team that God has given me stewardship over to make sure there's nothing vile or evil or offensive to God taking place. Why? Because God's going to hold me accountable. That's that accountability level. Remember, David was put in charge over. He was made king. That means there were people under him. Guess what? Each and every one of us have people under us. If you're a mother or a father, you got people under you. You got little ones running around each one of us in some capacity, God has blessed us to be stewards over people, places, and things. How we manage our finances, how we manage our homes, how we do things on our jobs, how we do things in the community and places and people and the things that God has entrusted to us. We can't turn a blind eye when we see things that are wrong. We can't walk by and make it somebody else's responsibility to fix it when God has put us in leadership of it. Why? God's not asleep Monday through Saturday. (laughs) Some of y'all only want God on Sunday. You want him to be asleep on, on, on Monday through Saturday. Like God doesn't see how we live our life. We're talking about a Christian lifestyle. Psalm 101 a Christian lifestyle, living a Christian lifestyle. This is how we ought to live. Why? Because it's the model, the example that God has given to us. So the word vile in the Bible means morally base or evil, wicked, deprived, sinful, offensive to the senses or sensibilities, repulsive, disgusting. To look with approval is to go along with, See, some of us Christians, we think it's okay and we're not personally doing the wrong. We're just going along with people in our camp doing something they shouldn't be doing. But we didn't do it. Some of us think it's okay. We can get away with not correcting the wrong that we see in our camp. Some of us think it's okay. We just act like we didn't see it. We didn't know. Oh, I didn't know. God's not asleep Monday through Saturday. We're wondering why we can't get those blessings. Our lifestyles invalidate us for those blessings. Why? Because God is looking for people that he can trust. Did you know that God wants to trust you? Can God trust you? When you go to hire somebody for a job, what is the first thing that you do? You look at their resume. You look at what they've previously done to know whether or not you want to hire this person, whether they're trustworthy enough to do the job that you want to employ them for. When you go and apply for a job, what do you bring? You bring your resume. Because you want to show the employer, hey, this is what I've done in the past. So, Mr. or Mrs. Employer, you can trust me with this position. Why do we think it's different with God? How can God trust you with another level, with a higher blessing? And you're not handling the current blessing right. You're not managing what he's already given you properly. In fact, he's getting ready to snatch some things from you already. Very soon, within the next 30 days, some of you are going to start losing things and wondering why you lost them. The devil had nothing to do with it. It was you and your lifestyle. You invalidated yourself for the position. We've had to terminate people from employment in the past. Why? It wasn't because they didn't have the skill set. They didn't have the character to keep the job. Coming in late. Lying on the time sheet. Stealing from the supply room. Leaving early. Half doing their work. Some of us treat God the same way. We accept the office, but won't walk in character. Won't show love to people that we don't like. Rejoice when people are harmed. Slander others. Think we can get away with cheating on our husbands or our wives. Steal any type of opportunity we get. Anything that's not nailed down will steal it. And we wonder why blessings are getting taken away little by little. And then we jump in the prayer line again and ask God to give us back all those things and then some. And we spin around three times and say it was the devil. Everything the devil took from me. Satan is sitting back laughing because he had nothing to do with it. He's getting credit for something he didn't even do. The Bible doesn't know he he has no power, so he can't do it anyways. The only one that is causing the hiccup in your life, let me help you here, and let me give you a real reason to be upset with me, okay? The only person that has caused a hiccup in your life is you. I'm pretty sure nobody's going to say amen on that. The only person that has caused a delay of your blessings and even in some cases a denial of your blessing, is you. Can anything or anyone stop God from doing anything? No. The devil has no power. The Bible even lets us know that angels and demons can't separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. So no one has the ability to come between you and God. And if no one, which as we know it is true, can come between you and God. Do you really think, if God wants to bless you with something, that there's anything or anyone can do about it? Absolutely not. What happens? Just like the employer. God looks at your resume. It says, hmm. Under skills? Gifts of the Holy Spirit. Perfect. Not a problem. I know I gave him that. He Looks at the resume and he says, hmm, look line number one. How you treat other people. Well, how do I elevate someone who doesn't treat people right? Hmm. He looks and he says, hmm, looked with approval on what is vile what does that mean, Pastor Frida? Oh, you look the other way when the people on your team set someone else up. And then when you were questioned about it, you said you didn't know. How can I entrust you with another level? Because see, here's the danger that every one of us under the sound of my voice, and I said us specifically for a reason. Here's what we all need to learn. Where we are is not where we're going to stay. Some of us have gotten so comfortable with where we are in life, and you think, oh, that's all there is to it. My brother, my sister, there's another level that God wants to take us to. And sometimes we're going in circles trying to get to that other level, And the hindrance is what you see when you look in the mirror. I told you I wasn't going to make y'all happy today. But I was going to give you what the word says. Verse 5. I'm sorry, verse 4. Psalm 101, verse 4. It says, the perverse of heart shall be far from me. I will have nothing to do with what is evil. I will have nothing to do with what is evil. To have nothing to do with what is evil means to do everything that is within your power, under your stewardship, under what God has given you to govern and to manage. You do what is right. And you assure that those that are under you and your management do what is right. Now, do you have control of what people outside of you, the governance that God has given you do? Absolutely not. But as far as what God has given you to do, what he has blessed you to steward, the people and the places and the things that he's entrusted to your care, you have a direct responsibility. Verse 5 says, whoever slanders their neighbor in secret, I will put to silence. Whoever has haughty eyes and a proud heart, I will not tolerate. See, David made a promise that he would deal harshly with deviations from holiness, from anything that wasn't right in his camp, on his team, in his group. See, you have to have an allegiance to God more than you have to your team or the people that are around you because you're afraid of losing people on your team you allow them to get away, but what you know in your heart is wrong. See, all of this comes out of the heart. It comes out of your heart. Your lifestyle, your character, your integrity, they all spring from what is on the inside of your heart. And what David was saying is that my allegiance is to you, God, first, not even to the people that you sent to work in this kingdom, but it's to you. And that's where we have to be. We have to have an allegiance to God first. We have to have such an allegiance to God that even the people that are around us, if it takes losing people on your team, if it takes losing people in your circle, if it takes not being a part of the clique or the group or the party or whatever you want to call it, if it takes people being upset with you, you're going to do what is right in the eyes of God. We're talking Psalm 101, living a Christian lifestyle. This is the meat and the vegetables of the word of God. This is not the dessert or the fun stuff, the stuff you like eating on your plate. This is the meat and the vegetables, the stuff that make you grow up spiritually nice and strong. So we have to begin to not only look at God first, show our allegiance to God first, but require those that want to be a part of our circle to do the same. Does it mean perfection? No, but it does mean correction. Verse 6, Psalm 101, verse 6, my eyes will be on the faithful in the land that they may dwell with me. The one whose walk is blameless will minister to me. That means the people, the places, and the things that we govern. We have to make sure that we are governing in the way that God would have us to do it. We're managing the things, the people, and the places God has entrusted to us in the way that is pleasing to him. It says in verse 7, No one who practices deceit will dwell in my house. No one who speaks falsely will stand in my presence. Every morning I will put to silence all the wicked in the land. I will cut off every evildoer from the city of the Lord. In other words, we have to have such a, a intolerance for that which is wrong that even in the people, the places, and the things that God has given us to steward, we... Don't tolerate it. We don't allow it. We don't allow those that are around us to do what is wrong in the eyes of God. Not in the eyes of man, but in the eyes of God. We have to follow after what God says. Why? The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 6, verse 16 through 19, it says there is things the Lord hates. Seven that are detestable to him. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked schemes, feet that are quick to rush into evil, a false witness who pours out lies, and a person who stirs up conflict in the community. I didn't write this. We're talking about practical Christian living. You can't convince me that you're living a Christian lifestyle. And you allow those in your team, in your camp, the people, the places, the things that God has entrusted to you to do the things that God himself hates and finds detestable. Maybe you can convince yourself. You can trick yourself into thinking that, but it's not true. So what's our homework? We need to do a personal inventory. We need to repent. We need to acknowledge that we all have missed it. And we need to make a declaration just like David did. Lord, going forward, I may have missed it. I may have messed up. But going forward, I'm going to live a Christian lifestyle according to your word here in Psalm 101. I'm going to check my own personal integrity and make sure I'm not running out of fleshly desires. I'm going to make sure I'm not living a Sunday church lifestyle, but a Christian lifestyle 24-7. I'm going to walk in love and justice towards others. I'm going to live a blameless lifestyle. I'm not going to look with approval on anything that is vile. I'm not going to tolerate those within the people, the places, and the things that you've entrusted to my care to do those things that you hate or find detestable because I understand my stewardship has to be mirrored with the way that you are. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, we just thank you for the message today. We thank you for your word that has gone forth today, Lord God. We thank you, God, that now, God, that we have heard from you that we will take these words, Lord God, and we will apply them to our life in our everyday Christian living, Lord God. Forgive us, God, where we have messed up and missed it, because we all have. There have been plenty of scenarios where we got it wrong, but we ask you, Lord God, to give us your grace and your mercy, Lord God, and to forgive us. We pray, Lord God, that you would move by your power, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen always.